Welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, starring Jerry Springer, along with Gene Galvin and me. I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. My daddy came And here he is, ladies and gentlemen, our favorite host ever, Jerry Springer. Oh, <laughs> you embarrass me. Oh, no, I don't. gosh. Yeah, that's true. That's like I wrote it. I appreciate that. Hey, tonight, uh, we're going to do things yeah. a little differently. We got, you know, we call the show Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery. The Tom Fullery is a stupid part of the show where about a third of it where we goof around with each other and make light of stuff. But, uh, you know, the, the war in Ukraine, the, the bloody attack by uh, Vladimir Putin on a sovereign nation is is so uh, dark and serious that we're going to probably talk more about that stuff and and uh, but by the way we have we are going to break the pace and the mood for sure in the last third of the show because we have a wonderful treat tonight we have Ryan St. Clair singer songwriter from Lexington, Kentucky. She's been on our show a number of times before the first time we love Ryan St. Clair who works it's sort of family band but ryan is the centerpiece of it we've got her on mic and she's going to be doing a song a little later in the show when she first started uh when we first met her she was like 17 years old now i think she's 22 well uh, megan will chat with her in a few minutes and we'll clarify all that so stick around for ryan sinclair and jerry to get us started and again we're going to be kind of Ukraine-centered tonight. Uh, and, and as this week has progressed, you wisely, Jerry, a week ago when we recorded uh, an episode said, you know, this Ukraine war is going to evolve real fast and you kept your powder dry. So this is really the first night where you're stepping into it, you know, up to your waist. And I've been curious as to your take on a couple things. And the first one, I just want to ask you pointedly, what do you think the United States of America's role should be in this war? Well, OK, I admit I'm struggling. Uh, the two sides of me are in the midst of a moral, practical and, yes, political debate. There's the Gerald side born of German-Jewish parents in England during World War II, the part of me that can never separate myself from my grandparents, uncles, aunts, and cousins exterminated in Nazi concentration camps as Hitler seized Austria and the Anschluss, then part of Czechoslovakia, the Sudetenland, then all of Czechoslovakia, and then Poland, and then six million Jews and welcome to World War II. And yet, despite the obvious signs of his demented evil plans to take over Europe and then the world, it wasn't until Japan bombed Pearl Harbor two years later that we finally entered the war to save the world for democracy. That's the family I was born into, the childhood that engulfed me, the history mom and dad could never escape, even though they did avoid their capture in Germany, by getting to England a mere two weeks before Hitler invaded Poland, thereby starting World War II and permanently shutting the gates on all Jews trying to get out. 
That memory, that family experience, etched into my consciousness by the faded pictures of family members hanging on our walls, family members taken from their homes, first tortured, then gassed, that memory would shape my values, and yes, my politics, that's the Gerald I was raised as. I say Gerald, which as an aside, my parents never would have given me that name if they knew the nickname for Gerald was Jerry, because the Nazi bombers back then were called Jerry's. Anyway, that's the Gerald side of me, the kid growing up in that cultural memory. The other side of me is the Jerry side. The name hung on me when I went away to college. The hippie, anti-war, give peace a chance, Bob Dylan and Peter, Paul and Mary side. With the iconic line from Blowing in the Wind, how many deaths will it take till we know that too many people have died? That peace-loving stop the war side is now, with what's currently going on in Ukraine, is now mired in an internal struggle within my conscience. The Gerald side, which argues that this 21st century version of an emerging Hitler must be stopped with force if that's what it takes, versus the Jerry side arguing that an American military response cannot be the answer because the result will be even more killing, can you say, World War III. I understand, or should I say Jerry understands, that sending troops or enforcing no-fly zones with our own planes would result in the Russians firing back, and if we get into a shooting war with Russia, where does that end? Do we bomb their missile sites? Do they then attack ours? It's hard to see how this ends well. But Gerald watches what Putin is doing to the citizens of Ukraine. Indeed, each night I'm looking at that 40-mile convoy of tanks and trucks making their way, albeit slowly, to Kyiv, at times just sitting there in plain sight, ready to kill hundreds of thousands of civilians, people who have done absolutely nothing to Russia, who pose absolutely no threat to Russia. And here we are, as we are quick to tell everyone, by far the strongest nation in world history, a military unmatched on this planet, unable, or at least unwilling, to stop the slaughter. What good is all this superpower if it's useless in trying to save democracy? So here I am, Gerald versus Jerry. Is our response to Russia's invasion of Ukraine adequate? Which Gerald is questioning. Or the risk of our military involvement beyond just supplying arms, simply too great a risk to take in light of the possibility of millions of lives snuffed out in the mushroom clouds of a superpower nuclear confrontation. That's the Jerry side. Make no mistake, the delicate, magical, and professional way President Biden has handled this entire matter by uniting Europe, NATO, and most of the world, unthinkable just two short years ago, well, it's a lesson in moral and practical leadership that we haven't seen in a generation, a perfect example of a president rising to the moment. So I'm well aware that any issues I might be raising are surely, be dealt, surely being dealt with 24-7 in the situation rooms of all our Western allies, weighing all the means from sanctions to cyber attacks, 
to increase weaponry for the Ukrainians, to troop buildup of all Western nations, to enforceable no-fly zones. They're all being considered against the risks of each one. But I do know this, even though there's no question in my mind that Putin will ultimately pay a price for his terror, specifically in the collapse of the Russian economy, his isolation from the rest of the world, the increasing likelihood that he will be removed from power by the Russians themselves, I think we're fooling ourselves if we think that anything short of military force will stop Putin from destroying Ukraine, slaughtering its citizens, and virtually leveling the country. Then what's to stop him from taking over Poland, Latvia, Estonia, and Lithuania? And if our answer is, well, we'll stop him then, we'll step in then, we'll declare war then, then what's the moral justification for letting all these Ukrainians die before we decide to save democracy? The answer is, there is none. Unless you believe Putin will stop after Ukraine. Neville Chamberlain, if he was still around, might tell us how well that response worked. Yep. Jerry, I really, I always appreciate what you have to say, but you being able to decide, like dissect the two parts of your personality and, and the fight that you're having against yourself, I couldn't, thank you. That was, that was very insightful. That was very insightful. And I couldn't, have, there's no way anyone else could put it better on this podcast. So thank you. Well, thank you. Do you think, Jerry, uh, that therefore, what? Should we engage beyond what we are of, of providing uh, lethal weapons? What do you think? Well, uh, I... Must we? The only line I wouldn't cross at this point, and things change day to day, mm -hmm. uh, the only line I wouldn't cross is putting our... Uh, fighters, our troops in the airplanes, but everything short of that, I mean, yeah. really building up the NATO countries, <laughs> really beefing them up, putting troops in NATO countries. So we're not fighting just like we for 50 years or whatever, have had troops in Germany, uh, troops in Europe. Um, I think we ought to make that stronger so that the moment it becomes absolutely clear that he's going to continue killing thousands and thousands of more people, then he needs to be stopped. And there are other ways to do it. Uh, I think is an all-out effort, which I'm sure they're working on, to get Putin out of office by whatever you means. Think? I don't, I would bet my life that there are people undercover in Russia helping some other generals there that are thinking just like there were attempts or uh, efforts to get Hitler out of power, the Russians themselves, when they get into week three and week four, of not being able to use their credit cards, of the economy absolutely tanking, of them uh, 
of them not, they're already calling into Ukraine, the citizens of Russia are calling into the Ukraine to find out what's happened to their sons that have crossed the border into Ukraine. Are they still alive? And right. with technology, what it is today, which a younger generation with all their social media, all their attempts. And my guess is that whether we use satellites or whatever, there must be some technological way that we can communicate with the Russian people that that Putin can't stop. Some yeah, well, let's way, talk about that because yeah, if we can get and then I'll quit. If we can get the Russian people to see what's going on because they don't get it on their news right. and what's happening to their country and to their sons. And I guess daughters, too. I don't know if they have the women fighting in the military. I don't know. But whatever, to get their soldiers, they will, the price will be too high. And Russia has a history of, you know, they, in our lifetime, Gene, they moved Khrushchev out, you know? Yeah. And yeah. then Yeltsin and, and, and then Gorbachev finally said enough. Uh, so that, I think, is our strongest effort. But I don't think we can just sit back and do nothing and just watch all these people die. Oh, I agree. No. Here's, here's some really bad news that I got today by nosing around reading I'm trying to remember if this was Washington Post some, some uh, you know I, I read so much stuff on electronic media that it Huffington Post for example is a blend of all these things so there was an article about and this is kind of Trumpian this fake news thing so this is what the article is about a reporter found uh, Ukrainians whose parents or relative, other relatives live in Russia. And these were Ukrainians in the middle of the war. One, I'll give you an example, was a restaurateur. And the restaurant was started by his dad. And I think his dad had a restaurant back in Russia. The kid, Jerry and Megan, after days was like, why isn't my dad calling to check in with me? I'm in the middle of what you and I watch on CNN, MSNBC, yeah. Fox, etc. He called the dad. You know what happened? The father screamed at him, according to the article. You are lying. Our no, Russia is killing no civilian. Russia is fighting Nazis. And this father had fought yeah. years ago against Nazis. God damn it. The Russians are winning this media war back at home. Jerry, they have cut off Twitter and Facebook. They are shutting down these youthful technological ways of getting information in. But they not all of them. But that's yeah. interesting. It's they're starting to be cracks. And the reason they yep. haven't cut all of them out is because. Russia, as a military exercise, wants, uses the communication of Ukrainians to, with Russians to find out where the Ukrainian soldiers are going to be. In other words, they don't want to totally silence it. So there are means of getting through. Would I know how to go through? No. But there are platforms that still are open in Russia. So there's some communication, which is why you're suddenly getting more and more demonstrations. Go well, ahead, here's Megan. the thing, too. Like, there are so many. The way that this war is being covered is so different. I see it on TikTok. I see it on 
Twitter, I see it on everything. The Ukrainian teenagers are putting videos out there of this is how my life is being affected. Look, this is where we're living in a bomb shelter. I'm going to take you outside right now to where I was walking down the street and they're showing before and afters. And I tell you what, if anybody can crack the freaking internet, it's teenagers. Like they can find a way to communicate with one another. And that's what we're starting to see. When you say there are cracks, Jerry, like these kids will communicate and it may not be the traditional ways, but it's the way that we communicate now is too large for even Putin to shut down. So the atrocities that are being, that are being committed right now, that is seen. It's not hidden. You can't hide that from a country that big. I do not agree. I do not think that stuff from what I'm reading from reporters that are on this, and I'm glad they are, is getting through to the average Russian. The, oh, I think, that, I think being, it is, Gene. It is being blocked out. I'm just, I'm telling you, I'm reading articles in which, and I gave you one example. This article talked to, and, and I, I should put it on our website because I can find the link. They interviewed multiple people whose family members were yelling at them like, like a, a Biden and a Trump Two people Fam- in the family would yell at each like other. Like at Thanksgiving, yeah. <laughs> yeah, saying, yeah, it's saying you are lying. There are no civilians being shot at. And we know. So that girl who did uh, YouTube, we're all seeing that. This is part of the problem. Part of the problem is, is that we in the free world are seeing it. And we're increasingly outraged. And Jerry, coming closer to the line you're drawing where we say, F it, we're in. I don't care if there's nuclear danger here or not. This has to stop because morally, Jerry, we hit a point where our moral compasses say, I can't take this anymore. We're going to engage. But the people in Russia are being convinced this is part of our problem by this nut job who is convincing them that they are Nazis. And now let, let's so that any listener listening to Jerry Springer podcast doesn't miss this. The president of Ukraine is a Jew. Yeah. He is not <laughs> oh, yeah. a, he's a Jew. So, so, right. so is, he's not leading the Nazis. He is not. Yeah. And, no. and, and Israel or Germany came out and said, uh, anybody is expert on Nazis, <laughs> it's yeah, us, yeah. and that us. guy's not a Nazi. Not a Nazi. Yeah. <laughs> but that's yeah. not. But if that doesn't get but, through, and hey, look, we know this from from our own experience with American politics. It's called cognitive dissonance. Sure. If you are inclined to believe something, facts on the other side, sadly, are irrelevant. But saying we were also in Cuba. And we saw the like how restricted things were down there. And we saw how culture leaks through through technology now. So I'm saying yep. that there's no way that these teenagers shoot. My cousin was arrested by the FBI for cracking stuff when he was a teenager by the FBI. So like there are kids that are much smarter than all of us combined that can do this stuff. And I think in ultimate, ultimately that's where it's going to come from is from like, you want to talk about some grassroots. It's these, it's the people that are able to get some information, like showing what they can to yeah. their uncles at the dinner table and yeah. saying, listen, this is, this is what's going on in the world. You're looking through one little telescope here. Yeah. There is no 
question, I think, at this point, that a majority of the older generations of Russians that lived under communism and have some nostalgic view of the old Russia where, quote, we didn't have gays, we didn't have lesbians, all that kind of stuff. Um, They they are the Trumpians of their society and they are believing the old, and and Gene, I agree with you on that. However, I also, but I agree with Megan that a younger generation, which by the way, it's information, these people, for example, there are also the articles about Russian parents calling the Ukraine hotline. Yeah. Could have you heard about my son? Are the lists coming out? There is communication. Plus, we're thinking it's just America. These people have relatives in all these surrounding countries, in all countries of Europe or whatever. There's constant communication going on, not on the television news, not on the state run news, but there are ways that communication is going on, even travel. They may not permit Ukrainians to come over, but people are coming from other countries and they're reporting what they see on the news. There's no way the younger generation is not increasingly, including the professors. You, you start to see these interviews with uh, you know, professors at various universities. They know what's going on because they're communicating with, um, with professors or people outside of just Russia. I, I think right now, a majority of Russia clearly is drinking the Kool-Aid. But the mm-hmm. trend line, and the question is, it's got to happen pretty quickly. Right. That's the issue. But clearly, they can't. This isn't 1939, because I have always, I always maintain that there never would have been a Holocaust if we had cell phones in the time of Hitler. Yeah. No one could have been able then to say we didn't know it was going on. Well, yeah. and I, and by the way, I agree with both of you because I ultimately I'm an optimist and I'm a believer in <laughs> new media and a believer in the human spirit. And, and maybe just one last point, because we're anxious to get Ryan Sinclair on with us, is that the voice of America, Megan, you may not remember much of it because you're younger. Jerry, you do remember it, I'm sure. The voice of America was a U.S. government entity designed to get information past the communication block lines into other countries during the Korean War, where it probably started during World War II, the Vietnam War, because all countries that are nasty ass with nasty ass leaders try to block info, don't they? They all yep. do. Yep. And, and you're right. They ultimately... I, I, you know, I want to join, and I, I think I do join, of saying, yeah, and, it, and I agree with you, Megan, it's going to be the young people who are going to figure out how to do it. And But your point, Jerry, about we don't have a lot of time because every day I turn on the t- television, I see more people dying. Got, right, you know, and these people aren't coming back. In every town of Russia, they've got sons not coming back. And that's a reality. It will also be a reality, and it's starting already, that the Russian people 
none of their credit cards work. Yeah. Well, but they now can't China, get money out of now their China banks. Picked, unfortunately, China has picked up the credit card, filled in the vacuum with their systems. And that and, and that's for another podcast. But holy oh my crap, God, that's got, a whole thing there. You got China yeah. in the wings, and if they mm-hmm. side up with Russia, then our fight is even bigger. Yeah. But yep. that's for another day. Well, we're talking about the younger generation, and we have a member of the younger generation on our podcast tonight. Welcome back, Ryan. How are you? Thank you so much. Doing yeah. good. Yeah. We're going to lighten this a little bit. Yeah, lighten it up for us, okay? Yeah, help us out. <laughs> have you ever started a world war? <laughs> Fess up. Fess up. So, Ryan, you're joining us from Lexington. What have you been up to since you saw us last when you were underage and probably just starting to drive and now you're 21? (laughs) Well, um, you know, the the world kind of stopped spinning a little bit there for a while uh, for, for, you know, everybody and and musicians, you know, uh, as well. And so. Uh, lots of uh, writing during that that time period that you know kind of culminated into this this album that that I've now released and uh, what's yeah. the name of that album? It's called Letters to Aliens. Letters to Aliens. Ooh, nice. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> and remind us, Ryan, what is your sound and and kind of how did you get started at such a young age to produce music like you do? Um, well, I, I started a, a band uh, at 11 and I kind of started out doing uh, roots kind of music, uh, country and, and, and jazz and blues and things like that. And then uh, kind of went into a more rock direction for a while. And then now I'm kind of back, uh, you know, with a foot in two worlds a little bit. So yeah. uh, this this new record is definitely influenced by like 70s um kind of you know rock and 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 things like that and country and yeah like Linda Ronstadt and Lou Harris uh you can't Fleetwood say Mac. Linda Ronstadt in front of Jerry he's not you're not allowed to say her name he'll he'll die she <laughs> <laughs> oh. doesn't call she doesn't write <laughs> I gave her a key to the city <laughs> so the song that you have for us tonight Ryan is called Dragon Spirit so tell us a little bit about that song yeah, so that that song for me was uh, kind of a journey of getting in touch with my inner child and and kind of you know that's um, awesome you know walking through the psyche a little bit a little bit of a trip through the awesome. psyche for that. <laughs> awesome. So we have Dragon Spirit by Ryan Sinclair. Born in the heat of a cold December. With eyes that pierce like the dead of winter Sagittarius, I'm better on the run Never like to stick around and live inside the damage I have done The blessing and the curse of a fire breather I was born with a dragon spirit
guys that was dragon spirit by ryan sinclair ryan tell us where we can check out more of your music you can visit uh ryansinclair.com uh and that that's a place where you can find all of the the links of where to get the album and things like that excellent are you on spotify apple tunes anything like that yet yeah yeah all of the all of these digital platforms Awesome. Perfect. And while you're checking out her album, um, what was the name of it one more time? Letters to Aliens. Letters to Aliens. Make sure you check us out as well. JerrySpringer.com and Jerry Springer podcast on Facebook. Give us a five-star rating. Make sure that you're liking all of our artists. Check out our archives. All of our archives have our previous artists and you can check out Ryan's music from a few years ago as well. And here we're going to go ahead and take you out with Ryan Sinclair and Jerry Springer singing Down by the Riverside. 
down by the Recorded live at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. Thanks to Patrick Kennedy for writing our opening songs, and to you for listening. Check out our website at jerryspringer.com.